welcome to the Home Care Assistance of Denton County podcast. I'm your host, Tamika Jackson. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing mental health awareness. As everyone knows, May is Mental Health Awareness Month. It's a time when we focus on the issue of mental health disorders, mental illnesses, and ways to help people struggling with these deliberating diseases. On today's episode, we have our guest, Ms. Nicole Briscoe, who is the CEO, president, owner, operator, does everything for Keegan's Place. Thank you so much, Nicole, for joining us. How are you today? I'm great. How are you? I am excellent. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, as you said, I'm Nicole Briscoe, and I am the founder and CEO of Keegan's Place. I um, ha- am the a wife, a mother of four children, and uh, have one grandbaby, nine months mm-hmm. old. Oh, and tell you know um, Keegan's place. Why did you decide to start that foundation? I started that foundation because my son um, Keegan um, was diagnosed with a major depressive disorder in 2015, just prior to his 23rd birthday. Um, and the symptoms of uh, of those of a major depressive disorder is actually guilt, feeling of hopelessness, angry outburst of small things, changes in his sleep pattern, as well as sadness for extended periods of time. In 2017, God gave me the vision for Keegan's place. A few months later, I was laid off from my place of employment. And that Friday after Thanksgiving, I applied for my 501c3 and was approved December 29th of 2017. Okay. And, you know, as far as with, with, with uh, uh, having Keegan's place, and that is a beautiful thing and a blessing that you are able to start a foundation. And uh, not only because, you know, you know of individuals in the world that are experiencing mm-hmm. mental health issues, you also personally have experienced it with your child. What does Keegan's Place benefit? Okay, Keegan's Place benefits um, those who are ages 13 through 28, male and female, as well as all that all of the veterans who have served our country who is actually dealing with mental illnesses as well. We also provide medical assistance. Unfortunately, some may not have primary care physicians for whatever the reason may be. Um, some also may have insurance. However, they may not have the money to pay the deductibles towards the co-pays and the doctor's visits, as well as prescriptions. And so we help with that with regards to helping out with financial support with regards to that. We also provide transportation to get to the doctor's appointments or even to pick up a prescription. Some may not even have that prescription, uh, that capability of going to pick up prescriptions or getting themselves to the doctor's office. So we support in that area. We also have support groups for those who are living with mental illness and their family members, um, as well as if they would like pastoral counseling, that's available to those who would like to have that. Okay. And what do you think the importance of being aware of someone who may be suffering with mental issues? I believe that 
it's very important to be aware of various signs. And I'm going to share some signs uh, today with, with you all with regards to that. Um, it's important for us to know the signs, the major signs of those issues. Um, so that's the, so that we're able to help them when they're suffering with things like this. For instance, with adults, some of the major signs are feeling excessively sad or even worrying and, and fear. And also changes in our sleep patterns. We can have low energy. We, uh, we could be avoiding friends and social activities, changing our eating habits. Um, and when I talked about the sleeping habits, those can be from not sleeping to sleeping all day long um, and not being able to do your day-to-day -day tasks such as getting up and uh, brushing your teeth, washing your face, eating breakfast, things of those natures. Um, the inability to carry out activities um, at, at, of any kind th throughout the day. Changes in our sex drive. It could be abuse of alcohol, drugs. All those different things are very important and especially um, suicidal thoughts. So those are a lot of the major signs of mental issues in adults. And we also have children who suffer from mental illnesses. And with children, they can be hyperactive in their behavior, um, frequent, frequently uh, disobedient and aggression they could uh, display, as well as changes in their school performance. They also will can have excessive worry and anxiety as well and sometimes they will be they'll even start just fighting to avoid bed or or school and will have frequent temper temperatures so that's very important to pay attention to those signs that I've mentioned because a lot of those signs are more num normal than not yep and, th and that is so true you know um like you said mental issues it's like depression anxiety disorder bipolar disorder and PTSD right you know they're they're prevalent in you know in America today and not like like I said not only in adults there are younger children that yes. have suffered with mental issues ages as you know young as I believe seven or eight years old where they've committed Absolutely. suicide because they've had to go you know through a lot of issues and I'll personally share something with our listeners and some people that do listen to our show they know a few years back, we had a caregiver that was actually going through depression and, mm -hmm. and having uh, uh, anxiety attacks. And, and, you know, she would talk to us. She's very young lady, beautiful, wonderful mm -hmm. worker. She worked with one of our clients and uh, one of our caregivers and her mom gave me permission to share her story. We mm -hmm. share it all the time, every year, when, especially when we're remembering her. And her name is Chelsea. She had two young daughters. And uh, Chelsea was actually working with one of our clients. And when it was time for her to be relieved from her shift, the caregiver that was relieving her actually called her trying to overdose on uh, pain medications. Oh my the God. caregiver actually thought that she talked her down. They prayed about it, every single thing. Well, actually, it did not work. The caregiver mm. later on, maybe a couple of weeks later, I was reaching out to Chelsea and just could not get a hold of her. And it was not like her. 
And uh, Chelsea and I, we've had late night conversations. We've prayed together. We've conversated through text messages and emails. And finally, her mom, she texted me and she said, is it okay for me to call you? And I said, well, you know, yes, ma'am. And when she called me, she said, Tamika, I'm just going to let you know. I've been through Chelsea's phone and I see the conversations that you guys have had. So you were aware of what she was going through and we were trying to get her help. And she said, unfortunately, Chelsea committed suicide. Mm -hmm. Chelsea was 23 years old. She left behind a two-year-old daughter and a three-year-old daughter that was going, you know, on four. It was very heartbreaking for us. We went to her services and, you know, just to know someone that young that had potential that, you know, she just needed help, but her family, you know, I don't think she reached out more to them for them to know, okay, hey, we probably need to get her help, or they just ignored the signs and thinking she's just a young lady with two young children. She's having some marital issues, you know, and she's kind of financially struggling, and that's Mm -hmm. why she stays upset, and that's why she seems to be depressed. What do you, uh, as a family, as a community, what can we do to help those in need of support when they're suffering with mental health issues? Well, as um, I'm, many people don't know this, but one out of five of us live with mental illness. And that means that basically every one of us has a family member, a loved one, or someone affected by mental illness. So we as a family and community can support them. They can, um, we can help them by supporting them, not only just us as family and friends, but there's, we can create a network of supporters um, from parents, siblings, teachers, um, spouses, neighbors, coworkers, coaches, teachers, etc. There's all of us could become that resource, that network that they could use to help them through these trying times of dealing with mental illness. And a few of the things that we can actually do um, to support them is one thing is to learn about the illness, learn about mental illness uh, and its signs and the symptoms. So that's a good question that you asked earlier about what are the signs that people should be aware of? Because some of the signs are just everyday symptoms that a lot of us go through, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we're, that we have a mental illness that we're living with. Um, But it can just be more severe, some of those things within the mental health community. So we need to learn, like I said, to about the illness and the signs and symptoms of it. We should also learn about how the treatment or medication works so that y- you and I and others can know what side effects and improvements that we see in the individual who is living with mental illness. With my son, I went with him to his initial appointment. And just to be candid and openly, I knew when he was a teenager that something wasn't right in the late teen years, but I just chalked it up as a mom as to being a teenager. Yes. Um, And as teenagers, they don't open up to us as parents. They were, they're probably more apt to talk to their, their friends than they are to us because they don't want to feel like we're judging them or they don't want us to, to 
start yelling and screaming and, you know, and getting on to them about different things or whatever. So we need to make sure that as a parent or even as an aunt or uncle, we need to make sure that we are there for our nieces, our nephews, our children. So, and give them the free reign to sit down and speak to us about what's going on with them to be mm-hmm. open with us because that's key. So I always chalked it up as to, oh, it's just teenage things or he's spoiled or, you know, all these different things. But that wasn't the case. So as I mentioned early on, I said that he got diagnosed in 2015 with a major depressive disorder. Well, several weeks prior to that, I would get phone calls from him and things would things that he would say were just kind of weird, you know, like from it could be from hallucination of things or all different types of things. And so I constantly found myself every time I answered the phone when he called, just not sure what was what he was going to say or what was going on. He never um, said, thought, said he had any kind of suicidal thoughts. I never thought that he had any suicidal thoughts, but I just knew that something wasn't right. Well, one particular day, I stopped by his apartment to see him and to check on him. And he was re- he was kind of upset. He had one of the angry outbursts and things of that nature on that particular day. Well, I've learned through all of this to be sensitive to people and to also not be confrontational because that can make things worse. Mm-hmm. I, what I did was I just, you know, I went home, I prayed for him. And later on that evening, I, you know, it, I didn't, wasn't worried anymore. You know, it was just like a, a weight was lifted off of me. So that morning though, the following morning, I woke up, my husband and the kids and I are getting ready for school, getting ready for work. And I checked my voicemail. And when I checked my voicemail, I had a message on my voicemail from a hospital in Frisco. My phone never rang at all through the night, but I had that voicemail. So, of course, when you get that voicemail from a hospital in Frisco saying, I have your son here in the ER, we've called the police to come to notify you because we couldn't get you on the phone. But, of course, they couldn't really tell me anything over the phone because they because of their procedures and policies that they have in place. So, of course, that freaked me out because I'm thinking, okay, I don't know at this point if my son is dead or alive. So of course I've frantically get to the hospital because they said that, you know, they finally, I was finally able to at least tell to have them to tell me, is he awake? Is he responsive? And they did confirm to me that no, he's not responsive. So of course that still doesn't tell me if he's dead or alive because you can still be alive and not be responsive. So I rush to the hospital, myself and my daughter and uh, my son-in-law, we get to the hospital. When we get there, the nurses at the ER, actually the whole staff at that e- at the ER at that time of the morning, all came pretty much to us and was telling us that when he came in, they had some, uh, there were, he was at a quick trip in Frisco, Texas, um, off of 121. And thank God the hospital was just under the overpass. And they found him unresponsive in a parking lot of that quick trip. And boy, them trying, you know, somebody hitting him with their car as they're driving in the parking lot or anything like that happening. 
someone called 911 because they tried themselves to away, you know, to wake him up, to try to get him to respond. They were getting no response. So uh, there was also an, uh, uh, the fire station and stuff was right next door as well. So they were able to get an ambulance over to get him to the hospital quickly as they possibly could. However, when he got to the hospital, even though they had him, he was awake, he still wasn't able to speak. And so they ran all kind of tests to see what was going on, to see what they could find out. Nothing came up from drug tests to all, all these different types of tests they did to make sure that he wasn't, you know, it wasn't because of drugs or anything of that nature. They t- everything they did came back negative, that everything was fine. So she said that he couldn't even tell her his name. He couldn't tell her his parents' name. He couldn't give phone numbers. He couldn't do any of those things. So one of the nurses said, let's see if he can, if he may not be able to speak, but let's see if he can write it down for us. So he was able to write down his name. And also he was able to tell them a few more little things about himself. So they ended up going to Facebook and they found him on Facebook and they found me on his Facebook page as his mom. So they called me and that's how they were able to get me because they got my phone number off of the Facebook, off my Facebook page to let me know that my son was there in the hospital. So he was in the hospital for several days uh, f- come to find out he did he walked from where he lived in Allen, Texas to Frisco, which is a long walk, extremely long walk. And yes, yeah, so he walked to the hospital walked to that and that's where he ended up with that quick trip. At any rate, they kept him in the hospital for several days and they had someone come in and do tests and things of that nature on him from um, a facility in, in Denton. And when they came in, they discovered that he was suf- suffering from some type of mental illness, but they weren't sure as of what. They had a few guesses, but um, some of the things that they had told us didn't set right in our spirits and it didn't set right in his spirit because at that point he was able to begin to speak. And he said, I know something's not right, but I don't think I have that. So um, we ended up going to another doctor to his, uh, that his insurance uses up in, in uptown Dallas, and they actually did their own test, and they agreed that he did not have what they said that he had um, originally, because originally they were saying that he had a multiple personality disorder and different things of that nature, but they, they ruled that out, and he was um, sent to an outpatient treatment facility in Plano and they also did their own test and confirmed that it was a major depressive disorder and not what the original uh, diagnosis was. was. And so it's very important to make sure that when you do take a loved one and make sure you get more than one opinion as to what the mental illness is because every mental illness has to be treated differently. And so you don't want your loved one to be treated for something that they don't have. That's that 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 is true. And you know, and it's good for our listeners to know that mental um, health is it it can some of sometimes it can be from a family right. trait, but then it can also be for what you're experiencing in That's life. And in today's society, 
our children that are growing up, you know, they're facing the facts of being uh, bullied and can't handle the fact of being bullied. So they decide to commit suicide at such a young age. Uh, you know, a lot of homes, the children are not getting the type of parental guidance and support that they actually need for their family. They're crying yeah. out for help. And sometimes people tend to ignore the signs and then the issue gets worse. And like you said, it, it doesn't have to be that the individual has turned to right. drugs or alcohol. You can just be depressed and just isolate yourself from everyone. And then at that point, you're starting to feel like that you're not right. loved, you're not wanted. And then you can possibly start suffering from the suicidal oh, thoughts. Yes. And, you know, hopefully, you know, someone can get to that individual and time before, you know, that happens. You know, there is hope for those with mental illnesses and there is treatment mm -hmm. for it. It's just a matter of knowing where to look for right. help, you know, and, and that is why, you know, what Mental Health Awareness Month is all about. You know, you first need to identify the problem. Mm -hmm. You need to help those that are struggling with it to become comfortable asking yeah. for help. And then provide them with the effective treatment that provides lasting results. And I think that is something that you can most definitely get from Keegan's place. Yeah. Nicole, let our listeners know, how can they get in contact? With well, they can get in contact with us through our website, which is www.keegansplace.org. They can also reach us at our social media outlets. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under uh, Keegan's Place, but it's actually with a PL under those social media outlets. So Keegan's PL at Facebook and at Twitter, as well as um, Instagram. We will most definitely put that information in our uh, open box when we uh, upload this episode. Nicole, thank you so much for joining us on today. You were very informed. My apologies to our listeners and our guests. We had some technical difficulties, but as I was stating, you know, Nicole, thank you so much for joining our show. Thank you for all the information that you did provide for us. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for having me there. I really appreciate it and very honored to be a part of your program. You are more than welcome. Listeners, that is our show for today. Please remember to subscribe, like, and share. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iTunes, iHeart, just to name a few. Thank you again for listening and for all your support. I'm your host, Tamika Jackson with Home Care Assistance of Denton County. Be safe and be blessed. Thank you.